All right. David Fathead Newman. Yes, that's what he was called. <laughs> Fathead Newman. And James Clay with some kind of mean. Uh, David uh, Newman is on tenor sax and alto sax. James Clay is on tenor sax and flute. Winton Kelly is on piano. Sam Jones is on bass. And Art Taylor is on drums. This is from David Fathead Newman's and James Clay's debut album, The Sound of the White, the Wide, sorry, The Sound of the Wide Open Spaces, recorded back in 1960. This is Lead Stories. I'm Matrice Lead, and of course, I know I saw you with your notebooks taking notes last night from what the president had to say. So we'll do an afterwards today. Yesterday we did a, a kind of prediction of what you expected to hear. You heard it. Now what do you think about it? Not just the speech, but the implications thereof. 888-874-4888. What resonated with you and what did you expect but did not get from the president yesterday as he laid out his first State of the Union message? What, what was he communicating to the nation and, of course, to other nations, because nations around the world pay attention to this kind of thing. What do you expect of the president in terms of a, a, a plan? What is he about to do, or what did he say he's committed to doing? And generally, do you think that his speech touched the necessary points that you were expecting him to touch on? Uh, did he do a good job? It is a speech. He didn't write it, as we all know. <laughs> his speech writers wrote it uh, to communicate what they felt uh, that he needed to say and also, of course, with his input of what he wanted to say. Were you pleased? Were you satisfied? Were you... Did you come away from that experience, if you watched it, with a sense of relief that at least we're going somewhere and somebody is paying attention, and that somebody also happens to be the President of the United States. Or was too much made of this? Was there too much expectation? Did he fall short of expectation? It seemed as if he got a very rousing response, but you never know. Um, if you were listening for particular things, what particular things were you listening for? Did you hear the president address those things? 
or were they, you know, pushed to the side last night? Um, What do you think? 888-874-4888. Well, Chicago wins the number one spot today with Henry calling in. Hello, Henry. Hey, Utrecht. How's it going? It's going. (laughs) All right. You seem so enthused about Chicago winning there. (laughs) Actually, Chicago's winning because Chicago was the very first call. (laughs) Well, you know, over the years, um, watching this uh, State of the Union address, you know, it's – even as a child, you know, we used to do it for homework uh, back when Reagan was doing it. I, I, you know, I just started to notice that it is just, it's like a sporting event. Because every time the president hits a point, it's always like, you know, clapping and all this other. I was like, am I at a stadium or what? So I watched it for like about 10 minutes and I just read the transcript. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I couldn't I couldn't watch it. And, you know, one of the things that I was hoping for was that he'd make it through his his speech. You know, I didn't want him to keel over while he was speaking. Oh, wow. Uh, Jeez, I, 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 <laughs> but um, as far as what he said, like, obviously, some of the things that he didn't say uh, in regards to. Um, you know, reparations um, as, in regards to, I mean, I guess the only thing that, that I can connect with that he mentioned and just basically totally said wrong, uh, in, in my opinion, was um, the defunding the police part. Now, he mentioned that, you know, um, we shouldn't be defunding the police, but then, it, but then again, he turns around and says, we need to hold police officers accountable. Okay, how do you do that? Because we've been asking you about that since you've been in office, since you've been in Congress, and you can't get the George Floyd Act passed. So how is that going to be possible? And then what really really kind of threw me for a loop when he was talking about cancer and that, they're going to, you know, they're going to uh, start a new front on this war on cancer. I didn't know where that came from, you know. I, I obviously know that there is an issue with cancer. Uh, I, you know, many of us know many people, including yourself, who have been affected yes. by this disease. And I get it. You know, it's, a, it's something important. But he, it, what I was reading, he didn't lay out how he was going to do that. And I was hoping he would say something like, you know, we're going to change something in the environment. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll, 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 we'll put better food products out there. And it was like nothing of that sort. And so I'm like wondering, like, so you, you really believe that the purpose of the speech was to inform the public? I, you really believe no, that? No, I mean, no, no, really. But, I mean, this is the president of the United States. And yes, but this is, this is the president of the United States. But let, consider this. The speech is one thing. The environment and the timing of the speech is a whole different thing. 
Uh And he had the environment working for him. He had the attention of the nation. And he and his speechwriters, of course, made the best of it. He humanized himself. The cancer speech, the, the, the part of the speech that related to cancer was about his son. Yeah, yes, I, I understand that. Okay. All right, so then he's scoring points. He yeah, is letting the, the public know, I am one of you. Many of you have relatives, mothers, fathers, children. I understand. I identify because I, too, have son with cancer. Okay. Well, that scores points. And and we understand that. Like, almost everybody in this nation has somebody they know or themselves who have been affected by cancer. So it's a serious topic when you bring it up. But just don't bring it up. If you're going to bring it up, tell us some initiatives that you're going to do to fight this. And I did not know. You see, you, you're reading the thing wrong. Okay. This is not about telling the public what you're going to do. This is about telling the public what you feel. This is a very human aspect. He doesn't have to tell the public what he is going to do. The main point to communicate here, at least his speechwriters felt so, was to communicate his own humanity and his identification with the suffering of the people because he is one of them. His son had cancer, so he understands the impact from that point of view. They do all these underhanded tricks to get people to say, oh, oh. You know, and he earned a lot of human compassion uh, points last night. My son had cancer. He referred again to the the pits that his son was sleeping next to in the battlefield and so forth. These, These burn pits where they burn all this carcinogenic and toxic waste and again it's speechwriter but it was to identify with other parents and husbands and wives who had the same experience and sneakily sneakily if I could just say this uh-huh. It was about identifying with a particular racial or ethnic group without having to say so. The, everybody knows that people who were spread to the burn pits were mostly blacks and Latinos. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, exactly. And his his speechwriters, you know, for you know, I know he doesn't write it, and his speechwriters have failed miserably because. The cancer thing was one of his four points that he wanted to get out uh, in his speech. But, you know, he basically laid out a lot of things, some tangibles in the other points. 
And obviously, the first one was the Ukraine thing where, you know, he was talking about he would not send troops there and he would, you know, support them monetarily and, you know, uh, all this, you know, all this, you know, thing for the Ukraine. Nobody's talking about peace. Everybody's just talking about supporting the Ukrainians. And, you know, obviously, we know that situation there is not going to end well if you have citizens fighting against probably the second or third largest army in the world. And so nobody's talking about peace. Everybody's just talking about support the Ukrainians. But you're missing the point, Henry. This was not about giving specific answers. This was about making sure that you mention things that all these different constituencies are looking for signals from the president that he is mindful of these things and we'll get to them. We'll, we'll deal with them. Just the mention is enough in some instances. And in other instances, he'll put off the specifics for another time. But they marketing the president and they marketed the president the president's humanity more than anything else yesterday. He's a feeling man. He's an emotional man. He is a, a, a guy who's concerned about others. He has suffered just like many, many Americans have suffered. He knows what it is to lose a member of the family. These are some of the, the ways in which the speechwriters humanized him, and he did an excellent job of connecting with the public on that level so that you will ignore the things that you're talking about. You want answers. You want specifics. Wrong time. Wrong place. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's why I couldn't watch it for more than 10 minutes. You've got to know why speeches are, are, are made. What is the point of a speech? The point of, of this speech was to kind of calm people down, to let the nation and others outside of the nation know that he isn't finished. He's just starting. He's just getting ready to do the real thing. But in the meantime, it was marketing him. The, the, the time, he had prime time exposure. He had uh, the attention of the nation and other nations worldwide. And the job was to convey to all watching and listening the most important aspect of this president was his humanity. And uh, you can't distrust a man who is human and kind. How could you do that? You would trust him. And you would see him in a new light, many people. He had suffered just the way uh, my mom suffered when Grandpa died. Yes, he's one of us. 
And then in the aftermath of the speech, you will see them systematically attack some of the main points that need to be fleshed out, such as what you're waiting for. But that well, was well, you yesterday. Well, well, thank you for the lesson in reading propaganda. <laughs> That was the nicest way I was ever told, ah, shut up. Seriously, that that is a good way of reading propaganda. I really appreciate that. No, it's very important. You see, this is a calculated thing. It's calibrated because the people who write speeches are operating on polls, They have seen feedback, all kinds of feedback from all kinds of places where they commissioned polls and so forth. What are people feeling? And it was clear to me that the whole point there was to have Joe Biden identify on a human level with the people, not necessarily strictly as a leader talking about wartime and and, no, I'm one of you. I've suffered just like you. I know your torment. And so you can trust me. When the next speech rolls around, trust me then too. See? Hmm. This was a setup. So, uh, as setups go, I think they calculated quite well. We are the ones who who continue to, uh, you know, set it aside. We want them to talk facts and figures, and that's not the purpose of the speech. Look at the environment. He was coming in after somebody the nation has grown to hate, who is Donald Trump, who wants to kill everybody and shoot everything. And here he is saying, I'm just as hurt and I'm as human as you. I have had particular experiences which were great setbacks for me, just like you. But I am clear, even so, about what we have to do. And I'm asking you to join hands with me so that we can do it together. Oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. People crying. The description you gave me is the same way I felt when I wasted my 10 minutes watching it. <laughs> well, then they did a good job. They calculated that many people, if not most people watching the speech, would somehow react to the humanity of the speech and kind of set aside serious business for the moment. I think it's better being read because I I got a lot out of it just reading it, so. Ah, but you're not a typical person, are you? The typical person would not have read this speech at all. The typical person would want to hear the emotion behind the, the, the sound of Biden's voice and would want to see 
you know, the reactions on his face being registered. That, that's what the speech is for. Thank you for getting us started today, Henry. Good points. Good points. Gwen from New York, you're on the air. Hello, Gwen. Yes, you're on the air. Are you there, Gwen? Okay, something is happening there that completely goes over my head technologically. Gwen, are you there? Okay, something is wrong with your phone and the connection. So kind of see if you could straighten, straighten it out and we'll come back to you. Leona from Michigan, you're on the air. Greetings, Eutrice, and greetings to your audience. Um, Thank you. And to you, too. Thank you. I, I just wanted to share some quick observations that I made from actually watching the uh, State of the Union address. You know, I um, well, I, I noticed off the top, it seemed like, you know, there are a lot of folks there that had, quote, unquote, frozen smiles on, the, on their faces in a way more, more, more females than, than males. And um, the um, I noticed that uh, he mentioned something about a uh, uh, a chief prosecutor for pandemic fraud. I thought that's that's interesting. He's going to appoint some kind of chief proper prosecutor to look into pandemic fraud. Um, the another thing that uh, there came a point in the speech where the members of Congress were chanting USA USA which made me think about the January 6th uh, insurrection, riot, uh, protest, whatever you want to call it, where, where folks there were also saying, USA, 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 you know, the same kind of vibe, the same kind of chant. I, that kind of struck me as, uh, oh, that's interesting. The members of Congress were saying the same thing. And then another uh, hold it right me. Hold it, hold it right there. What is significant about that very thing that you just raised? What was that meant to convey? The people chanting USA, USA, what was that meant yes. to convey? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but but I you know I suspect it has I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'd have to ask the folks who said USA, USA. I don't know. But I, I just noticed it, it happened. Well, you know. yes, it did happen. And it was meant to indicate to the viewer and the listener that there was bipartisan, strong bipartisan support for Biden. Oh. Okay, well, well, those folks outside of the Capitol on January 6th, again, a lot of them were chanting that very same chant, USA, USA, USA. I wonder, yeah. I don't know if they meant, but I don't know if they meant bipartisan support. I doubt it. I don't know, though. You know, well, they had their own particular identity. They were Trump supporters, period. So they were coming from a different place. This group chanting USA, USA, uh, was meaning to communicate or to convey 
support for Biden in a very interesting way, and in a particularly in a bipartisan way of support. Now, trust me, there would have been people scattered throughout this crowd who probably knew that this would be something that they should, you know, they should start. So it looks spontaneous. They planned spontaneity. Mm. <laughs> These things happen all the time. You plan, you plan to your people strategically in the audience and whatnot. And at some point, somebody gets a signal and starts the USA, USA. But the end result is that Biden came off looking as a popular president in a bipartisan way of support. Ah, I see. Wow. Oh, boy. Okay, showtime for real, I guess. But but another thing I noticed was... (laughs) Another thing I noticed was um, uh, in the speech, President Biden uh, asked the the members there to confirm his uh, nominees to the Federal Reserve. Later in the speech, he mentioned uh, that he had nominated uh, Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson for uh, Supreme Court, but he didn't ask the folks to confirm her. I just noticed He, he didn't ask the folks there to confirm her. He just mentioned that he had nominated her. For, for whatever that's worth. Yes. Um, oh, no, but and, now I want you to answer that very question. Why did that happen as opposed to getting a groundswell of the USA, USA in a bipartisan way? Uh, why, why did what happen? Why did he not ask them to confirm? Why her? did he, what, yes, why did he ask uh, for support? Essentially, and in in, a, in an indirect way, he did not ask for support for for her nomination. No, but he, he asked for support for he, the Federal Reserve. He asked them to confirm his nominees to the Federal Reserve. He only well, mentioned okay. that that he that he uh, nominated uh, Judge uh, Brown Jackson, but he didn't. He did not ask why? to confirm her. Why the difference in the, in the two? Why the difference in his attitude? in these instances that you pointed out? Um, I'm not sure. I just thought it was interesting and thought it was of note. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I said, well, he asked for those Federal Reserve folk nominees to be confirmed, but he didn't, he, he didn't ask for her to be confirmed. He just asked, he just mentioned that he did it, which, All right. whatever. I, I, she I was know. nominated. She is his nominee to the right. U.S. Supreme Court. Right. And the last thing you want to do as a president is indicate favoritism, quote unquote. Boy, you want to, huh? No, wait. Isn't the fact that he nominated her an indication of favoritism? Not necessarily. Okay, I'm listening. Go ahead. Nominated her because people insisted that he nominate her. Oh. We don't know whether. He is his personal choice or not. But he Uh, was careful to observe the distance as a tentative appointee to the U.S. Supreme Court that mm. he is maintaining hands off. He's exercising no influence there at all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. But he didn't feel that way about the Federal Reserve nominees. He he he, oh, he encouraged their support. Huh? The Federal Reserve is totally money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Supreme Court is about ruling about the laws that govern the land. So you want to be really careful as a president not to make it appear that you have a particular prejudice or a particular uh, like for any nominee. It's up to oh. the court. Gee, okay. All right. Okay. And, you know, he did come off very, very folksy and all that stuff, but, you know, a lot of stuff. I, I guess you got to look at what people do, not what they say. More, more, got to look at more of what they do. It's a speech. What they, but it's a know. very important thing to pay attention to a speech, especially given by a person at a particular level, in his case, as president of the United States. There are all kinds of reading between the lines that you have to do, which would indicate uh, whether what his agenda might turn out to be or what are his own priorities, what do you have to look out for? And what does he say versus what you think he means? These are all, this is all about speech, speeches, I should say. Hmm. When people make speeches, they have all kinds of agendas wrapped up in them. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying at one point over, 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 that you also have to listen to what's not being said. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Listen to what's um, not being said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me just say a couple more things, and, I, and I'm done. Um, um, the um, I, I almost turned the thing off too early on, but uh, I, I stuck it out only because I had mentioned yesterday that you know I had noticed on the WhiteHouse.gov that he was going to mention something about national mental health crisis and um, unity agenda, which he mentioned a little bit about that toward the end of the speech. This unity agenda, and 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 he did mention something about mental health in regards to uh, children. I think he he said, but but here's the deal. Out, out of the gate, the first among the first few minutes of the speech, he made a comment where he was quoting the Ukrainian president Zelensky. He made uh, President Biden made a comment about light will win over darkness or something like that. And my 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 uh, racial radar started ringing this idea of light will win over darkness. Now you know it's probably more about me and my history. But but to me, there's a there's a racial twinge to that statement, because um, on some level, uh, you know, given given uh, well anyway. For, first of all, darkness sometimes gets a raw deal. <laughs> you're having difficulty here, Okay, huh? <laughs> See, you're having a little difficulty here. Go ahead, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Well, as I said, darkness gets a raw deal sometimes because each and every one of us, you know, came here in darkness in, in our mother's womb for the most part, you know, except those who were artificially inseminated, what have you. But um, and there, there, there can be um, 
the darkness does not necessarily mean bad, and light necessarily don't mean good. So, um, and 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 just just another piece. I recently I saw a video, and I don't know how true this thing is, but it showed this president, President Zelensky, in a former time of his life, doing almost a strip tease uh, with four other guys uh, on on a video. He's he not a bad dancer. But um, but um, I understand that back at, there was a time in Haiti they some, the powers would be picked some dancer to be the head of Haiti, and maybe it's a thing where the powers would be picked another dude another dancer to be the head of. Uh, Don't forget that we had several the musician who uh, 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 was uh, president of Haiti. You never know. Uh, some countries are able to separate things. For some, these quirks are actually appealing. And for some, it disguises a lot of nasty stuff that you would rather not have the people concentrate on or want to know. So there are all kinds of reasons. But we shouldn't make necessarily too much of, well, this guy was an entertainer or a comedian. Well, we have people... Oh, yeah, actor, reality <laughs> TV show host. Okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I get it. And, and, and then closing your trees, I don't know if you saw that newscast about uh, the black African folks who are trying to get out of the Ukraine are, are kind of yes. having a hard time yes, doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess this global system of racism, white supremacy, is in effect 24-7, 365. There you go. That's absolutely true. And we should be tackling it from that perspective. Because the notion that being left of center, this society as a whole, uh, meaning in Ukraine, that they're open-minded and... You know, uh, people are safe. No, you're not. There's a peculiar characteristic about being black. Wherever you are, you're not safe. It may sound unnecessarily paranoid, but it is necessarily factual. It's true. So uh, people are shocked that they were thrown off a train. They're saying, get out of here. This is for us only, meaning white people, or for Ukrainians, they put, put it that way, for Ukrainians only. No. The, these people were studying in Ukraine. So we get it everywhere we go. Your skin literally is your passport in many, many ways. Thank you, Leona, for your call today. Ed from Queens, how are you doing? Ed, are Hello? you there? Yes, you there. Hear me? Hello, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Okay, Ed. Yeah, I'm here. Me and the song still hanging in, still hanging on. <laughs> You're hanging in, good. Hanging in, hanging on. I, I caught the uh, State of the Union. I mean, insofar as 
we know it's more of a propaganda slash uh, orchestrated event than an actual speech that is to give information. I found it to be very poor. I found it to be very weak. I found his delivery just on a visceral level. You can see his age. You can see his weakness. I found his, his tone not very convincing. For this time in this, in this world and in this country, he's not the picture of leadership that I would want my, that I want my country to portray to the world or to the, or to the populace at large. Um, a lot of things he said didn't make any sense when he referred to inflation and he referred to uh, employers uh, lowering their costs and, 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 and not lowering wages. If you know anything about economics, the classic way to lower the, the cost of, of, of production is to lower the wage. So it didn't make any sense. I mean, all the folksiness, all the trying to relate to the common people. For me personally, that's BS. We, we need someone who's stern, who's strong, and who has a clear vision because this country's in power, and he's not the guy. He's a servant of empire. His speech was kind of pathetic, and, uh, you know, I just don't know where this country's going. So, Ed, how do you really feel? <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, the guy. he's not. He's not the guy. He's not the guy for this moment in time. I'm sorry. All right. He's not, not the guy for you. He's not the guy. As far as I'm concerned, but I mean, if you look at history, he's not the guy. I mean, he, he's 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 played out. I'm sorry. I mean, I know he was. He was uh, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The country is in a very strange place right now. It doesn't, you know, we just got out of dealing with a maniac, Donald Trump. So the first thing people want to do, speechwriters, was to show he is not Donald Trump. He's a human being, he's kind. His grandfatherly. I, I hear I hear what you're saying, but I don't need that right now. I don't That's need you. no grandfather now. I need somebody <laughs> who knows how to handle business. <laughs> I don't need my grandfather right now. I'm sorry, I love my grandfather when he was alive. Samuel was a good man, God rest his soul. But he Samuel wasn't the man for this time. And he ain't we need but somebody that's right. dynamic. That's we right. need somebody that goes it goes very far though. And all the more reason because on the flip side of the Biden coin is Putin, who is exactly the guy you think is a leader. Well, no, I don't think Putin is a leader. I think Putin is a, well, if you know, I know about the history of Putin. Like I said, when I was in the service, I was over there in Bosnia and heard, and heard murmurings of him. He's a Russian mafia. He, he's a Russian mobster who is in KGB, and he's, he, he's doing exactly what I believe he thinks is the correct thing to do based on the fact that Biden is president and based on the fact of the position of China. Don't discount how much China is playing an influence in his behavior, number one. Number two, in the end accumulation, Putin is concerned with money and power. 
And if he can secure the Ukraine, which has been historically part of Russia from the time of the czars, he's good. He's trying to corral his people. He's trying to corral his, his thing. If you now look at what's happening in the Ukraine, they're handing out weapons to civilians. And the crime rate... Because they have nobody crime. wanting to fight. Well, but you, you can't hand... They don't have enough people <laughs> willing to fight. Yeah, but you can't hand <laughs> military-grade weapons to 80-year-old people and, 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 and hooligans. What are they going to do? They're, yeah. they're robbing, they're looting, they're raping people. I mean, it's, yeah. it's chaos on top of chaos. And, yeah. and that's the whole... That's what happens, uh, that's what happens in war. And that's the yeah. other thing. People are expecting war and order. Are you crazy in wartime? No, no, no. I'm, I'm Anything not saying, that happens. I'm not saying, I'm saying that in war, I've been in, I've been in battle. There's a, there's a certain madness in battle. But when you implement civilians with military grace, you're, you're, you know you're, you're creating chaos. And chaos is some people's playground. Some people, some, people, some people who are leaders don't yeah. care about the short-term issues. They care they're seeing things in the long term. Even if the short term that they are creating themselves is going to be pure hell, they are absolutely convinced. Down the road, they'll have it in hand. You know what it is for a, a, a leader to say, we're lining up our artillery for 40 miles and... They're all headed to Ukraine. He means to kill everybody. This is widespread killing. It is not kidding. This is not your normal leader. I don't. I, I, I don't believe. I don't believe that a lot of the propaganda that we're getting out of the out of the mainstream media in this country is actual or factual. Because I don't believe that Putin wants to destroy the Ukraine. Because in the final analysis, he needs that part of Eastern Russia if he intends to be a, if he intends to be. So uh, he'll uh, get it if it is just about getting the land. If it's just about getting the land, that's really what it is. He doesn't care whether there are people still on it or not. Well, there's no people on it. Get of everything on it. There's no way to control the land without the people. That's what I'm saying. He can't. He he can't want to alienate. That's what happened with with uh, with, with Sarajevo. Once you alienate the people, you got to remember these people that are fighting these people are related. Some of them are closely related. And in the and in the yeah. analysis, you're not going to kill your brother. And that's what happened but in Sarajevo. Overwhelmingly, and that's why it was so hard. Overwhelmingly, huh? overwhelmingly. Yeah. The share might, the share volume of force that is going to be directed would change a lot of the equations that have held up for centuries about being uh, cognizant of family ties and, and where you all grew up and were born and you have particular feelings for a town because your grandfather was born there. No. This is a war, Lord. And well, I, his formula seems to be you vanquish the enemy by sheer might and power. You pulverize them. 
I understand what you're saying, but for someone that's been in that theater, even though it was some odd, uh, almost 15, now almost 20 years ago, there there is something to be said for family ties. There is something to be yeah. said for 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 a certain amount of fidelity. And no matter how much armament you bring against a person, there's there's a human being behind the tank. There's a human being behind the artillery piece, and that plays a part. It plays a part, believe yes, me. Yes, but and it but can be there is it. Part. But still, it's a numbers game. You could have people who very close family ties, but they are not nearly as many as the people who are there to follow orders and kill. That that overrules everything. At times, when you are given when you are given an order in whatever army it is, whether it's China or Russia or Germany, or Greece, an order is an order. And you know you can be shot and killed for disobeying orders. I've been a soldier. I know an order is an order. Other than, uh, in, yeah, other than the order that violates the Geneva Convention or an order that is cruel and unusual as far as the what, what doctrines of war are. But, uh, I mean, like I said, the battlefield is it's, it's a different place. And a lot of things can change. A lot of things can change. This is not going to be as easy as you thought it was. And I don't think it's going to end the way that a lot of people think it's going to end. I think, I think it, this is going to last for a long time. And, and the results are not going to be beneficial for, for the Ukraine or beneficial for Putin and Russia. Well, that's usually what happens in war. No matter who, quote, wins, unquote, in a sense, everybody loses because it reduces just about everybody to a level of inhumanity. If they're lucky, they may hold on to some of it, but most of them will not be able to hold on to the humanity that they were raised with or knew. Well, conflict changes you. Conflict changes you on personal experience. It, 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 brings, it brings out the best or the worst in, the, in, in, your, in, your, in your personality and in your, in your psyche. And, uh, but with that being said, like I said, our, our, guy, our guy, Papa Biden, is not the man for this time. He's not. <laughs> what did you just call him? What did you just call him? Papa, Papa Biden. Papa pa- Biden. Papa Biden. <laughs> Papa, Papa Biden. He's not the man for this time. He, he needs to step You don't think so? I mean, I don't even. I, I give Kamala a shot. Tell you too. Oh, speaking of which, you know, I wanted to reach out and by get her by the neck. How you could you on the occasion of the president's major speech wear brown? You wear a brown suit. What is the matter with you? <laughs> is there nobody who could tell you that it, it, it's not? It's not coming across too well. They're not. They're not together. They. I don't think they've ever been together. They were victims of circumstance in the beat Trump server that ran that ran that election. And uh, I, I, like I said, I, I don't think I don't think they've ever came to a parlay 
or a meeting of the minds. I think they're two separate forces with two completely opposing agendas. And like I said, this is not the time for that nonsense. It's not. (laughs) We we have to have far more, a, a, a certain amount of rectitude here. And because the nation has it, you see, the, the people feel it, but the leadership is acting as if it's kind of disconnected. They're Thanks, gone. Ed, for They're your call. Okay. Thank you for your call today. Lincoln from New York, you're on the air. Hey, good day, you trees. Good day. Yes, I would like, yes, I would like to respond on in a commentary way, based upon what you said, based upon what Henry said, and and based upon your response to Henry, and also the sister who spoke before Ed, and what she said and your response to her, and also something you just said to Ed, um, in reference to Putin as a warlord. To call Putin a warlord in in the face of all of his history and what precipitated all of this, to me, is very disingenuous because he did not approach this as a warlord. He approached this as a man who saw that they were setting up missiles that were they were they were getting trying to bring um, Ukraine into this in, 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 into the they call it into NATO, and so they could set up missiles which would only allow um, Russia at least no more than five minutes to respond to missiles. And that's what this is about. Um, if the, the border is extended... Wait, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. You, you need to put an addendum there. It is not uh-huh. as emphatic as you just said. That's what it is about. You can say, that's what I think it is about. Well, okay. that's what... We, we, we could say that, but, but no, it's very... Yeah, yeah but so say it. So say it. Don't don't be so. Okay, that's what I think. That's what I. No, right. Now you're on a better you're on a better course now. You're much safer to deal with yes. that. I'm saying that to humor you, not because I. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say that to humor me. You say that because, frankly, you, you cannot prove or disprove this particular. Uh, okay. Okay. Charges. Okay. Okay, I'll go along with you. So I want to make the next point. Um, Henry um, made some good points. And you, you said to Henry, but this is not what this is about. To me, to say that to Henry is to say that we should not expect these people to keep a high standard. And, and we should expect them to be as us. And therefore, you're saying that um, whenever they they propagandize us, we should say, okay, that's a part of the game, but that's not how it should be. We, the people, should always be looking for them to find teachable moments for the people. We, because we will not raise the standards of politicians if we let them slide, like, uh, say, okay, we know that, you know, this is just to make Putin look good. I mean, I'm sorry to make Biden look good, and the cancer thing is just to make him look good. And, and then you say that, um, when he mentioned the cancer thing, whenever they mention anything... Well, well, wait, 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 because you're on to a new point, I want to address your no, previous no, no. Okay, go ahead. I want to address it. 
there is always an intent to a speech. Yes, that's true. And, and it is not just about somebody reciting words. There are all kinds of layers of meaning built into a speech. And that is what I was conveying, that whenever we no, listen I, I understood to a speech... That. I understood that, but what I... What I, understood. I understood so what is your gripe? What is your gripe? No, my, it's not a crime. I'm pointing out that the way in which you presented it, it was almost, because you said to Henry, so what did you expect? You know what I'm saying? So in other words, that he should be... Because people take speeches, as in a way, people take speeches quite literally and extract the wording and the expression of the wording from hidden intent speeches always have a purpose and if you listen to a speech and you take it just literally and and that's the only level you relate to a speech on then you're missing quite a bit of information no no we are aware of this on what people like you and i and henry are aware of this but what i'm saying to you is that we should not allow them to escape with this. We should expect truth from a politician. Just like when oh, Martin Luther King... One second, one second. But just like when Martin Luther King went and fought, there was preaching against some um, racism, etc. He was expecting a change. And I'm saying to you, we should raise the standards of politicians. We should say to them, okay, no more speeches with any euphemisms, etc., to trick the people. We want truth. We want politicians who come with an answer that, for example, when Obama said change, that was a very nebulous statement. He didn't um, itemize what change means. And I hear people going, change, change, change. Change what? You see, and so we fall for these little adages and these. And I'm saying to you, I was not against what you said, but I'm saying we must be mindful to, to how we respond so we do not give them encouragement to continue in that direction. That's what well, I'm addressing first, in terms first, of first order of business is for us, the people on the receiving end of these messages, to understand that there are several uh, aspects to a speech. It's not just what is said. It's also what is not. I, I, I understand. We're almost out of time. Let me just touch on Jackie's thing quickly. Um, yeah, no, no, we don't because we're out of time. You'll have to call me back tomorrow. And we could, no, there's, there's, we'll make time to talk. Okay. Call me back tomorrow. I want to say something about your response to that sister. Uh, all right? Okay. Yeah, but we could talk about that tomorrow too. Okay, okay. Peace and love. <laughs> Peace and love. Really good. Thank you all for calling and thank you for contributing to this very brisk discussion today. Uh, as I just said, we can deal with some of this again tomorrow uh, if you wish. Uh, thank you, though, for today. I really do appreciate your call. I appreciate your honesty and frankness, and I appreciate your desire to see things when pointed out. Bye-bye.